Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message reaches you wherever you are at today in whatever situation you are facing. We pray that the Lord ministers to your life. Hang on till the end, and I want to say a couple more things to you before we're done. Would you stand this morning? If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. We're in a series on freedom. We've already sang about that this, this morning, but I want to preach this topic this morning. Freedom from our chains. Freedom from our chains. We just talked about Paul and Silas being in prison. This is an account of Peter when he's in prison. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Three of you are. Let's try that again. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's go. Verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. If I was in there, I'd want constant prayer and some of you to find ways to bust me out. But um, constant prayer was offered. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did, and he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Father, we thank you for your word today. Your word is alive. Your word challenges us, and your word changes us. And Father, today as we gather around the table of the Lord to hear what you have to say to us, may we feast on the goodness of God. May we recognize that you want good for us, that you have amazing things in store for us. And so we just pray over this time together in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask all these things. And everybody said, amen. High five somebody and say, I'm glad you get to sit by me and you may be seated. When I hear the word freedom, one of the first things that comes to my mind is the movie Braveheart. If you know that movie and you've ever seen it, there's this kind of very famous scene in Braveheart where William Wallace is riding his horse in front of the army that he's trying to lead. And he's trying to get them to want to fight, but they're scared, they're worried. And he asks them, what are you going to do when these people come and attack us. What are you going to do when they come to try to destroy us? And they look at him and they said this, we will run. That's funny to me now, but it is. We will run. But William Wallace famously says this, run and you'll live. At least for a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance 
to come back here and tell our enemies they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. You may take my life, but you'll never take my freedom. Freedom was one of the main messages of Jesus. He stands to read this first sermon, Isaiah 61, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. And he lists some things, and two of those things are, number one, he came to set the captives free. I've come that you may, the captives may be set free. And number two, I came to set at liberty those that were oppressed, those that were bound. Jesus said, I came for freedom. Freedom was the reason I came to this earth. The Bible says, for this reason, the Son of Man was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. If that's not freedom, I don't know what is. Jesus came to destroy what the enemy has tried to do to your life because Jesus said, I've come to bring you freedom. I've come to bring you life. I've come to pull you out from the chains that have bound you, and I've come to give you a new life today. Amen. So the thing Jesus comes to do, number one, is to set us free from our sin, these chains. Romans 7, Paul says it so beautifully, and he encapsulates what a lot of us feel like, especially right now, you, you know, new year, new me, new diet. Here's what he says, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing, okay? When you're reaching for that Twinkie, what I want to do, I don't do. I'm sorry, I thought that was a banana I was grabbing. But what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. But the truth is, and I, I say that as a joke, but the truth is, that's how we are many times in our life. Uh, the things I don't want to do, I keep end up doing. And then Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? But then he goes on to say, the only answer is Jesus. But thanks be to God. Thanks that Jesus is the one that can deliver me. In other words, what the first Adam did, Adam and Eve are there together and they eat of the forbidden fruit and Adam immediately, when he, whenever his eyes, whenever he, he sins and he messes up, he immediately does what the rest of humanity has been doing ever since. Blaming somebody else, blaming God even for our mistakes. Well Lord, it was the wife you gave me. She had told me to eat this fruit. It's her fault. And God, matter of fact, it's your fault because you gave me that wife. If you'll use the other rib and get create another one, we'll get this thing figured out. It was a, this one, and he, he begins to blame, but here's the thing. Humanity's been doing that ever since. Well, Lord, I could have freedom if it wasn't for these people around me. I wouldn't mess up if it wasn't for this. But the Bible says this through one man's sin. Matter of fact, ladies, let me tell you something. Even though Eve ate of the fruit, it's Adam who's supposed to be leading his family the right direction. And when the Bible doesn't say that it was Eve that messed up, it's Adam. It was the first Adam. It was Adam as the man who did not take responsibility to what God had called him to do. And in that moment, moment the Bible says through one man's offense Adam through his offense sin enters the world but I'm so glad that's not the end of the story because the Bible goes on to say through the second Adam through one man's obedience that now sin has been dealt with Adam the first Adam messed it up but Jesus Christ the second Adam goes to a hill called Mount Calvary and he gives his life and he pays a debt he did not owe and his blood was enough to cleanse us and 
and redeem us from the curse of the law. And because of the second Adam, we have life. Because of the second Adam, the sin that has chained us up doesn't guide us any longer. But now I can be set free and my sins aren't held against me. But I've been cleansed and I've been redeemed. Amen. And so I recognize that now I've been set free. But here's the thing. I want you to catch this. Okay, catch this. The Bible says that Peter is in prison. He's sitting there. He's a VIP, a very important prisoner. Because they've got guards on either side chained to him. And then they've got uh, uh, somebody standing in the doorway watching. So here's Peter. He's guarded all around him. He's chained up and he's sleeping. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord comes and strikes him. I want to say this to you, and don't try this at home, okay? I'm not telling you, but I am telling you this. There are sometimes, spiritually, we need a wake-up call. Spiritually, we need a good knock upside the head. The angel comes and strikes him on the side and wakes him up. And in that moment, the angel says, get up. And I believe that Peter standing up was an act of faith. Because the Bible says the moment he stands up, the chains fall off of him. Listen to me. I want you to hear this this morning. You have a responsibility in your freedom. It is Christ that sets you free. But I believe we have a responsibility in our freedom. That Peter, if he had sat there and said, I'm dreaming, this is crazy, this ain't happening, he might have been beheaded by Herod the next day. But because he stands up, because he listens to the angel of the Lord, because he steps out in faith and stands up, all of a sudden his chains fall off of him. And in that moment, he is free, but he's not totally free because he's still in prison. The chains are off, but he's still in prison. And the Bible says, the angel says, come on, follow me quickly. And the angel, and they walk, and all of a sudden they go by one guard post. And the guard's sound asleep. And everything's good. I don't know if he was sound asleep, but anyway, the Bible says he goes by a guard post. I'm guessing that's what happened. But anyway, the angel gets him by. He goes by a second guard post. And he makes it. And they get to an iron gate that's supposed to hold people back. And the iron gate opened by itself. And then they go down a street. And when the angel realizes, hey, you've got it from here, Peter. You're good. I got your chains off. I got you through two guard posts. And I got you through an iron gate. Now you can handle it. The angel left. But I want you to know today that God is not interested only in your chains coming off one time. I'll preach next week on what it means to walk in freedom. But I I want you to hear you say this this morning to you that just because you get saved doesn't mean there aren't areas of your life that God still needs to free you from. I'm going to say it again so the people that didn't hear it the first time can hear it the second time. Just because you're saved doesn't mean there aren't areas of your life that God needs to free you from. You might have had the chains fall off, but you've got some guard posts you need to go through. And you've got a gate that's been holding you back. And you need to be released from those things. So this morning, I want to talk about three areas of our life that I believe God wants to give us freedom from. Are you ready this morning? Say amen. Amen. Number one is freedom from generational, I'm going to call it this, I'll explain why in a minute, generational cycles. You may have heard it, generational curses. Whatever nomenclature you want to put on there. But here's the thing about our life generationally. Okay? The reason I, I say that is because of this, because I had a professor in college one time that got up there and said, there are no such thing as generational curses. 
that Jesus died on the cross and that cursed is he is hung on the tree. And so because of that, there is no such thing as that. And so here's the thing. If you want to say that all curses are broken off your life when you get saved, that's fine. But I'm telling you this. There are generational cycles in our life. I can prove it to you right now. This is simply this. My grandpa's name was Arville Blankenship. Arville Blankenship, I've told you this before, but he loved to make people laugh. My grandpa would tell you a joke, and if you didn't hear it, he would think that you, or if you didn't laugh, excuse me, he would think you didn't hear it, so he would tell you the joke again. And he would keep telling until you hurt, until you laugh, because evidently you're not getting the joke. I mean, when you saw him, he was a cut up. He was always thinking of something, way to be funny. My dad inherited that. I inherited that. But it's funny, when I watch Benjamin, my four-year-old, as soon as he could form sentences, he would say, Dada, am I funny? Dada, am I funny? At nighttime, when he's going to bed, he wants to say, can I show you a cool trick? I'm like, sure. He's standing up on his bed, needs to be laying down. He will just flip around on the bed and fall down and look up laughing, thinking, have I made you laugh? Because you know what? There's something inside of him, I believe, passed down from generation to generation. My father-in-law will be in the next service. I'm going to say this. He got it from my side of the family, not my wife's. But the truth is that there, there is something in our family that we love making people laugh. That was passed down. That's a generational blessing in some ways. Okay? That's not a bad thing. There are certain things. Ray Walters that attends our church. I never forget he was preaching when I was a kid at my dad's church. And Ray used this illustration. I don't remember a lot of things. I don't know why this one thing stuck out to me. But he said that one day he, he was opening a jar of something. And he realized this is the way my grandpa opened this jar. Maybe I've been sitting at the table before eating a piece of pie, and I've caught myself. That's how Daryl Blankenship sits and eats pie. Maybe, maybe the way you stand, maybe the way you do things reminds you of your parents. Those aren't all bad things. That's how I know things can be passed down generationally. Once again, not all evil things, but we do know also there are generational cycles that can be in our family that can destroy us if we're not careful. And my own family, my, on my mom's side of my family, my um, great, my great uncles, uh, they were around the Tulsa area, outside Tulsa during Prohibition. And they learned to, they had a gas station, and they had hay bales out back, and they would put bottles of moonshine in these hay bales, and people would pull up, and they, and they had, you know, cars with two gas tanks, one for the moonshine, one for gas. And, um, and, I mean, they had all this stuff, and then at one point, they literally got into a shootout with the police, and somebody was killed. And I have a great uncle that I never met because he moved to Arizona um, back in that time, and he only came to visit sporadically. He died before I was born. That's the reason I actually didn't meet him. But um, I didn't, my family didn't know him because he moved away. This is long before the days that we have now, the Internet and finding people. He just moved away and would come visit. And so I had a family tree of people that, that were involved in prohibition, moonshining, all of this kind of stuff. But you know what? One day, my grandmother, Janie Mangrum, heard a guy on the radio named Steve Pringle preaching out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and she said, I want to go hear him in person. So she rode the bus. She couldn't drive. My grandmother lived to be 94 years old, never could drive a day in her life. She couldn't drive, so she rode a bus to go to, to, to Tulsa from where they were living, and she rode, and she went to church. My grandmother gets saved. She asked my grandpa, Irvin Mangrum, if, would you please take me to church? 
church. My grandpa worked all night. And so he would literally drive her to church. He would sit in the parking lot and he would sleep in the car because he had been working all night. Eventually he decided, I'm going to go inside. He probably thought, I can sleep during the sermon as much as I can sleep in my car. So I'm going to go ahead and go inside. But Irvin Mangrum went inside and he gave his heart to the Lord. And because Irvin and Janie Mangrum gave their heart to the Lord, there are things in my past that I could say, you know what, generationally this is passed down. But Irvin and Janie Mangrum stopped a generational cycle. They stopped a generational curse. And they said, from now on, my bloodline, they're going to know the Lord. And all of a sudden, because of that, my mom, Sharon Blankenship, is born out of that. I have aunts and uncles in the ministry. I've got cousins that are serving the Lord because our lineage was changed. Listen to me. I want you to know today, you may look over your life, excuse me. And there are some things that are evident. There are some things that you can look at and say, you know what, my, my parents were involved in this. And alcoholism has been passed down in our family. Drug addiction has been passed down in our family. You may say, you know what, my dad was addicted to pornography. And he opened me up to that at a young age. And so because of that, that is something that's been passed down in our family. But I want you to know there are also things that we don't talk about. Things that nobody sees. Anger could have been passed down in your family. Bitterness could have been passed down in your family family. Unforgiveness could be passed down in your family. But I believe what God wants to do today is set some people free and for you to realize, you know what? My family might have been angry, but it stops with me. My family might have lust problems, but it stops with me. My family might have addiction problems, but it stops with me. I am a generational changer. I am going to change my generation going forward. As for me and my house, we're going to the Lord and I believe that no matter what has happened I have freedom from things that have been passed down I no longer have to live by those things I don't care what your mama and daddy have done I don't care what your grandma and grandpa did I don't care what your cousins did I want you to know today you can change the legacy of the generations coming after you by saying I will experience total freedom and I won't let anything hold me back amen the truth is, even though we do have these things that have been passed on that are curses, the truth is that the truth of that is right, that cursed is he who hangs on the tree, and that Jesus took the curse for you. But I believe we still have to walk the freedom out. I believe we have to recognize these things. And we can't just say, oh, well, that's who I am. I can't help it. Oh, well, I'm just like them. I can't help it. Listen to me. It is time that we recognize there are things in my life that I want my sons to begin to respond differently because I recognize things in my own life. And I'm sorry, you'll hear more in a minute. I'm not a perfect person. I don't mean that I go around sinning every day. My point is this. I have, there are times that I can have the wrong attitude toward things. And I think, you know what, I don't want my sons doing that. I can respond a certain way. But you know what, I want to be a person that is raising the next generation to know the Lord so that anything the enemy wants to use as a foothold to destroy our family stops with this generation and the cycle is broken maybe you have a cycle of poverty in your life and your family just had that I grew up in a, in a place in Mississippi where prejudice and racism was a cycle that it was passed down we don't like those people we don't date those people we don't go around those people and it was passed down from generation to generation but I'm telling you this that Christ has come to break these cycles over our life so that no longer does the curse of our past family haunt us any longer but instead we break it off and we say I will be a generation changer amen Amen. Number two, 
Number two is, is freedom from your past. Not only do you need freedom from the things that generations have passed down, but you need freedom from your own past. Because here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy, the, the Bible says his title is the accuser of the brethren. And what he's come to do is to remind you of things. He's come to remind you. Here's what, here, here's what I believe happens, in, especially with church people. We have, we have the past in two ways. We can use the past, the, even the good things, and we can hang on to them, and we never experience what God has for us now. But also, the church is good about hanging on to people's past and holding it over them. If you don't believe me, read your Bible. Sorry, ladies, this, this is really a lot of times the women, but they're known as Rahab the prostitute. She's known as the woman caught in adultery. They're known by what they've done. And that's why when Jesus sees the woman that has had an infirmity for all these years, he looks at her and he calls her daughter of Abraham. What he's saying is this, I am changing your identity. Your past doesn't define you any longer. I don't see you by what you've done. God has what I like to call divine amnesia. He chooses, he's perfect. He has no flaw about him, but he chooses to be forgetful. Whenever you come to him and say, remember that sin, he says, what sin are you talking about? When you come to him and say, remember when I blew it, he says, what are you talking about? That is under the blood. It is in the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't hold us uh, against us. He doesn't hold our sins against us. And it's called your past for a reason. It's not your present and it's not your future. Hear me this morning. I I'm breaking this off of some of your life right now. Your past does not define your destiny. Your past does not define your destiny. I know you've done this. I know you messed up. I know you did those things. But that's not how God sees you. And it's time you look in the mirror and you begin to see a forgiven person. It's time you look in the mirror and you see you are a beloved son of God. You are a daughter of Abraham. You look in the mirror and you see who God has called you to be. And he calls you forgiven. He calls you chosen. He calls you his own. He says, you know what? I know you messed up, but you asked for forgiveness and I have cleansed you. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, uh, forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new and you are not the same person you used to be and it's time you wake up to that reality. My past doesn't define me any longer. Amen? That if we're not careful... We will think, well, I'm limited because of this. I mean, the thing I love about the Bible is the Bible is very real and very raw. It doesn't hold things back. The Bible doesn't say, well, let's not put that part in there. Because we don't want them, you know. I mean, from the very beginning, Abraham lies. The very beginning actually kind of gives a half lie. It's kind of weird. Um, but Sarah was his half-sister, which is a whole other gross. I'm not getting to all that, but anyway. But he says, that's my sister, not my wife, because he doesn't want to die. From the very beginning, Noah builds this amazing ark, and everything's good. But then Noah gets drunk, and, and a curse falls on his family because of, of something that he did. I mean, look at David. David messes up with Bathsheba. The Bible throughout Peter goes back to his old lifestyle and, for, and, and denies Jesus and all of these things. The Bible is full of people, Samson, who in the moment messes up, and, 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 and because of that, Delilah 
takes his strength and all of these things. The Bible is full of people. And it doesn't mean, I don't look at that and say, well, good, I can go live however I want. That's not the point. God's not showing you that so you can go do whatever you want to do. God's showing you that to realize that even if you have a past, in Christ, you have a greater future. No matter what your past says, in Christ, he has something great for you because you've got David who stays king and God does exploits through him. You've got Samson who at the very end, he asks God, he's blind because of what he did, he's blinded, but he stands there between these pillars and he says, God visit me one more time and he pushes on the pillars of that temple and the Bible says he killed more Philistines in his death than he ever did in his life because God visited him one more time. Peter is restored and he goes on to lead the early church and he stands on the day of Pentecost and he preaches and 3,000 people are saved. Don't tell me your past that God can't use you to make a difference for his glory and when you begin to recognize that God wants to free you. You've been free from generational cycles. You've been by one guard post and then God says you know what your, your past won't be held against you. There's another guard post. Let's keep walking and then number three the worship team can join me. I'm almost done. Number three I believe we need freedom from our mind, our mindsets, or thoughts, however you want to put that. This morning, I'm going to be very real and honest with you, very kind of raw, and uh, it's one of those things where as pastors, preachers don't do this kind of stuff very often because we want people to put us on this pedestal and, you know, follow us, and if they, if they think we're human, then they may not want to follow us. So I'll see how next week goes, okay? But here's the truth. About right before Christmas, the enemy began to torment my mind. The enemy began to just, just thinking about my life and some of the things I walked through. And you always kind of question yourself with certain decisions and all of this. And the enemy began to torment me so bad that, I mean, it was... The enemy would say things like, you're never going to make it. You're not good enough. Look at your life. Look at things. And, you know, you all this stuff. To the point that, I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do, to be honest. I was just, I mean, I prayed. I cried. I, did, I worshiped. I even talked to my dad. He was here Christmas. We came here to throw some trash away at the church. And I was talking to him in the car crying, saying, Dad, I just, I'm, 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 I'm tormented, literally. I couldn't sleep at night. I'd wake up in the middle of the night just tormented. And one morning, on a Saturday morning, the boys were asleep. They slept through this, thankfully. I mean, I, I didn't have to, I usually get them up in the morning. But Dwayne Vincent that attends our church called me early, about right before 8 o'clock one morning, and said, um, he just called and he said, the Holy Spirit wanted me to call you. I knew what it was about. I knew I had to release this to somebody. I'd been carrying this thing. And I said, I just told him, I said, man, I have been tormented night and day. And I don't know what to do. And he said, well, I know I was supposed to call. And in that moment, he began to pray for me. He walked me through some declarations just saying, you're chosen by God. You're anointed. God, you know, God has redeemed you and all of these things. And, and in that moment, something broke off my life. And I can tell you since then, I mean, I've had total freedom from everything in that moment. The Bible says this, confess your sins, and even if it's not an active sin you're doing, but just confess things going on in your life, I believe, one to another. 
that you maybe forgive them, but that you may be healed. And here's the thing I'm going to tell you this morning. I don't care how long you serve God. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm telling you this. No matter how long you serve God, the enemy is going to fight you. I believe the enemy knows the destiny of this place, and he was going to do everything he can to take me out so that the destiny of this place, even in my own life, could not go forward. And if it was not for me crying out and confessing some things, I believe as far as saying I'm going through this, I need to tell somebody I'm, I'm just struggling, that in that moment, God brought healing to me and wholeness. And I want you to know today that maybe the enemy is tormenting your mind with things you've done, things in the past, things have come up, and man, you're like thinking, I could have done that differently. I wish I would have responded differently. Man, if, if I had done that, you got to understand as a pastor, I don't mean it's bad, because but over the years, people leave your church, and you always think if I'd responded differently, maybe that wouldn't have happened. And all these thoughts begin to come back to your mind. And the enemy will try to use thoughts and tell you, you know what? You're never going to make it. You're never going to survive this. You'll never get through it. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible says cast down every imagination and high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you've got to recognize in your mind that when the enemy comes to torment you, and here's the thing I love about this story, they walk up to this gate. And, you know, Peter didn't have the, uh, the ability to have watch TV, to watch some kind of spooky movies where the door just opens by itself. But he feels like he's in some kind of dream. But they walk up, and before they can even get there to push the gate open, it opens by itself. And I just want you to know this morning, the enemy is trying to let you know that of all three gates, the iron gate was the one. They could walk by a guard post. They could walk by another guard post. But they couldn't get on the other side of that gate without help. And what God was saying is, if you'll step out in faith, Peter, I'm going to make sure it's taken care of. And listen to me, some of you, like an iron trap, your mind has trapped these thoughts and you can't get rid of them. And you're tormented. You've you, you got thoughts of things you could do differently. Thoughts of things you've done in your past. Thoughts that I'm not good enough. Thoughts I'll never make it. Thoughts I'll never be able to do that. And what I want to tell you this morning is this. Christ wants to give you total freedom. Not just freedom in the moment of your sins. That's very important. But salvation is not the end. I believe salvation is the beginning of the journey God has for you. That salvation is, I am saved. Now, I'm going to walk this out every single day. Now, you know what my change are off but you know what I got some things I need to be freed from and I believe this morning God wants you to walk through those areas and he wants to set you free and today if you'll begin to release it to him I believe today your past doesn't have to haunt you the generations before you don't have any say over your life any longer those cycles are broken your past is broken over your life and I believe any kind of mentality that has held you back from being who God has called you to be God wants to break it off your life right now. Would you stand to your feet? Hey everybody, thank you so much. We are so honored that you chose to join us today for this message. And our prayer is for you and your family that you would be uplifted and encouraged. If today you receive Christ or if you would like to give to the vision of Landmark Church, if you would go to our website, www.landmarkchurchok.com, there's more information there, how you can do all of that. And also if you have a prayer request, please let us know how we can be praying for you guys. We love you and hope you have a blessed time.